Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. Altogether, the Instagram accounts curated by Andy Anderson boast an audience of over a quarter million followers. As a food photographer, I was introduced to his most popular accounts, Manmade Coffee and Humans of Coffee, via the food photography account, Food Fluffer, whose bio quite simply states, the most beautiful food in the world. I happen to agree with Andy's assessment of his curation and have looked to this account time and again for inspiration. And the more I looked, the more I wondered, who is this guy behind these accounts? Well, I'll tell you. Andy Anderson, a South African-born resident of Dubai, is so much more interesting and inspiring than he gives himself credit for. This humble, generous introvert who deeply loves his wife and children is driven by a deep passion for bettering the lives of others through coffee. And just like his remarkable mother, Andy has a gift for spreading happiness through beauty and for helping us reassess what's most important. Uh, I'm in Dubai and I think the UAE doesn't like me doing Skype for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah. So, you know, I'm from South Africa. Um, which, which is quite a, and I was living in Johannesburg for like the last 15 years and Johannesburg is quite a, a dangerous place to bring up a young family, right? So the crime rate's high, et cetera. So when yeah. I moved to Dubai, I am super happy being in Dubai because everything is really safe. And okay. the reason why it's really safe is because the government has such incredible control over yep. the population, right? Over the way the country yeah. is run. And so what that means is the government has incredible control over telecommunications here. So you can't do WhatsApp video calls. You can't do Skype. If you buy an iPhone, yet, it doesn't have FaceTime, for example. Really? Yeah. So Are you happy? Are you happy with that trade-off? I, I am because the, the trade-off is if I'm, if I'm not home, uh, you know, am I worried that my that my wife and kids are okay. Right. Um, it, w- when I was living in Joburg, I would be concerned. When I was now that I'm here, no, this I'm I'm very happy with that trade-off. That's very amazing. Happy. That's amazing. Well, <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm guessing based on global trends as what sorts of governments were able to contain coronavirus. I'm guessing that things are under control there for similar reasons. It, they're more in control than most countries, I think. Right. So yeah. Um, we did, we were doing really well for a while, and then we opened up uh, the country, and so now there's there's the second spike because we've opened up, right? So, I I, I think we're about to go in lockdown again. Um, okay. But but that's okay. I'm a homebody anyway, so yeah. in lockdown was never a big issue for me. <laughs> yes, I'm ashamedly admitting <laughs> how much I kind of enjoy it. <laughs> all of my uh, all of my friends are complaining about, you know being at home is terrible and they can't do this and they can't do that. And I'm just doing the things that I've been doing all along. Right. So I'm still on Instagram. I'm still Netflix and chilling. I'm doing, I'm I'm doing me during lockdown. I've I've not had the issue. Yeah. Now, so is your, is your full-time job Instagram or do you have a different full-time job? 
I have a very different, very sort of unrelated full-time job. So Instagram is kind of my escape from all that, right? So mm-hmm. I'm the, um, the marketing director for a, a tech company. And I've been there seven years now. And uh, I enjoy the job. It's really good. But I do enjoy curating pretty pictures on Instagram a little more. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're very <laughs> successful at it, Andy. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's um, people, often, you know, all of the, all of the different accounts. They often say, "Wow, you know, that's a lot of work, etc." But it really isn't. I've 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 uh, I enjoy doing it, and I've got it down to a bit of a system now. So I'll do I'll do half an hour on Instagram a day, and that's me for the day. Maybe yeah. a bit more if I'm commenting on things, etc. Mm. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You on yes. Instagram. You are on Food Fluffer, Man Make Coffee. What are the number of accounts? It's between five and seven that you run, aren't there? Yeah, it's it's a lot more than that, sadly. I mean, I really need, do need to get another hobby. Um, <laughs> but but I would say the ones that have had some traction are um, Man Make Coffee. That uh-huh. was where it all started. Mm-hmm. Um, from Man Make Coffee, that took me on this coffee journey. I started meeting people. They told me stories I really I really thought I should share as well and so I started Humans of Coffee mm-hmm. um, and then um, through that whole journey I got to know a few people who actually run coffee shops they make it their lives that's their life right they run mm-hmm. they run a coffee business and you know we were thinking about ways that I could help promote their business etc and so from that I launched Caldi and so right. Caldi is just sort of trying to find the best coffee shops in in in, in every city you're traveling to and also because 80% of the DMs I used to get on Mad Coffee would be, listen, I'm going to Barcelona next week. Where, where should I go for coffee? Uh-huh. And so, yeah. And so that was kind of an easy way for me to say, well, just go to Caldi and you'll find, you'll find what you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. So that actually brings up one of my first questions. The DMs and people connecting with you over DM and you feeling a deeper sense of purpose because I'm kind of trying to relate to a curated account because for me, I share stories, of course, and then I take photographs of them and the photographs are deeply important to me personally. You know, they feel like they're coming (laughs) from deep within and it would be hard for me to connect with other like I feel like that is how I connect to people on Instagram. I write about what I feel when I took this image, when I heard the story that someone shared with me. And that's how people connect with me. But people are connecting with you over someone else's image. In many cases, a few of your images, I think, are mixed in on these accounts. So, And people do seem to connect with it deeply. I mean, you're not going to get a quarter of a million followers if people aren't really connected. So what is it, do you think? How are you personally connecting with someone through a curated account? How does that happen? I think if if anyone experiences um, a connection with me, it, it, it might happen eventually if they decide to engage with me on on DM or etc. or or if I reply to a comment etc. But what I think people are connecting with is um, is beauty, right? They mm-hmm. they're connecting with something that's really beautiful to look at, and I think ultimately what they're connecting to is their happiness. I think it's I think it's a pursuit of happiness. I think when they when they see an image on Food Fluffer or Man Made Coffee, they see something really beautiful, see something that really that really brings them some sense of calm, 
they see something they they um, they perhaps aspire to to shoot mm-hmm. something like that. So they, they they see some aspiration in that as well. And so I think ultimately, I think people are recognizing or seeking their own happiness in these images. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's um it's yeah. just a, a, a calm space to be. Any any of mm. any like food fluffer or or man made coffee. It's it's a calming space to be. It doesn't excite you in a bad way. It it kind of you want to be there because it's beautiful to look at and and. Yeah. I think that's that's what I'm sharing. I'm sharing just just this moment of happiness. Mm, mm-hmm. I think that's very insightful. I think it's very true. I I think I would add, maybe let's see what you think about this. That you know you're seeking, you know, the success of the feature as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do you mean in terms of getting sort of the most likes or? Mm, yeah, just what about this image made him choose to feature it? What can I do? All oh, right. Yeah, it's an it's an endorsement, and I think people seek that. Um, I do get a lot of DMs from people saying they're really happy that I featured their uh, their work, and yeah. um, and I do get an equal amount of DMs saying, "Why have you not featured me yet? I think I'm just as good as anything you have featured." Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, and and mostly that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, so yes, it, it it has become food fluffer and, and man made coffee has become some kind of endorsement that people kind of seek and chase and and I think I'm not sure whether that's a good thing. I'm I'm very happy that people do seek that endorsement. So man made coffee has been tagged more than a million times now. So mm-hmm. more than a million submissions have come through for people wanting to be on the page. Uh, mm-hmm. Food fluffer is tracking sort of near just over three hundred thousand times now. So I think that's I think that's awesome, but. I I still find it strange today when people are seriously happy about the fact that I featured their, their work because it's just me, right? So mm. um, they've put in the work, they've put in the effort, and if anything, I admire the work. I, I admire the work so much that I want to share it with more people. Mm-hmm. Mm. You said you've made it calming on purpose. What types of images do you feel like you choose to curate? So um, the the Man Make Coffee page and the, the Food Fluffer page is the exact opposite of what goes on in my head on a daily basis. Mm. You know what I mean? It's just mm. my, head, my head is a mess. Like I'm, I'm always thinking, I'm always overthinking, I'm always trying to solve um, my problems, my wife's problems, my kids' problems, the world's problems. Um, mm. And so, if anything, those pages are a bit of a um, a calming moment for me, you know. Mm. So I, I tend to, I mean, people 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 ask me if there's a formula so that they can shoot according to that formula so that they can be featured. Mm. Um, but honestly, what happens is I look at an image and if it speaks to me, and and speaking to me means that it's 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 really. It's calming me. It gets me out of my head. It puts. It draws me into the picture. It, it draws me into that calm little corner of a coffee shop or uh, somebody's shot of their food, etc. Um, and so I, I post things that just calm me. That just make me feel um, there's a moment where I can take a break from what's going on inside my head and 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 just enjoy what I'm seeing in front of me. Um, mm. And what that has tended to aggregate to, which I'm sure I should talk to my therapist about. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of dark photography. So um, man-made mm. coffee and food fluffer. There tends to be a lot of dark images, and 
that's kind of just what speaks to me, I think. Mm. <laughs> I think all the dog people in the world would say, you don't need a therapist <laughs> to figure that out at all. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of dog people nodding their head right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I, um, I do see a therapist and I've seen a few therapists and, and I, I, I'm just making a mental note now that I should bring this up to him. It's sort of why am I, why, why am I doing, why am I doing all the dog photography? Why am I not doing sort of white minimal you know, airy spaces. And I think it's just what appeals to me, you know. So yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm also very much into um, interior design. And so designing a space, I really like sort of cozy, dark spaces where I feel kind of just enveloped in this kind of calm. It's, it's like putting on a blanket when you're cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you first said a few minutes ago, um, you weren't sure that it was a good thing if people were thrilled when they were featured, I was thrilled yeah. when I was featured on Blue Flipper. <laughs> and you said um, you weren't sure it's a good thing. I think we're starting to get into why why that is. So why is it not a good thing? Maybe that people would find affirmation from being featured. Um. So these are really great questions. Um, mm. I feel honored, and I feel really happy that people to an extent, respect my opinion about what's beautiful, et cetera. And so therefore, you know, uh, they, they aspire to be featured, et cetera. But I, I wouldn't want myself to be sort of the arbiter of what's good and beautiful right. and bad and ugly. Right. I, uh, I don't think that I'm that important and I don't think, yeah. I, I think I have an eye for these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that from my mom. Um, mm. and so I'm lucky that way. I have an eye for these things. Right. But if you, if you had to ask me to, shoot the kind of photographs that I feature on man-made coffee and food fluffer. I, I couldn't do it. I've tried to, and I'll continue to try to, I've, mm. I've taken photography lessons and, and I, I keep shooting to kind of refine my craft. But, um, I think it's a bad thing if, if I'm the only, you know, if the decision is completely up to me about what's beautiful and what's not. And so what that means is I'm really, really happy to see all these other food accounts out there as well all these other feature accounts featuring good work. Um, and there's more and more coming. So when Man Make Coffee started, for example, I think there were maybe five feature accounts really sort of with a strong following. And mm-hmm. now, you know, five years later, it feels like there's a million of them, right? A million yeah. coffee feature accounts. And I'm, I'm really happy about that. And I I think everyone deserves to have their, their labor of love appreciated by other people. And mm. um, I'm happy that I can do my part to do that. And I'm even happier when there are more people doing that for others. Mm, mm, mm. Well, that's a very generous perspective. And I appreciate that. I have found that the food com- community on Instagram is, uh, it's a very generous community. It's a wonderful place to be. I used to be in the wedding industry. I was a wedding photographer and it was a very different feel. So I appreciate that about yeah. the food photography. And I find that that comes, you know, from the top down. I found that a lot of leaders in the food industry show that generosity. And so it's nice to hear. And I think that you should probably know that that has influenced, um, it's influenced the whole community that you work from that place. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you for telling me. I, what I will say, I'm also very much into um, data, um, and I think that's probably part of my day job. So um, mm-hmm. I like to make marketing decisions based on data. Having said that, a lot of my decisions based on food fluffer and man-made coffee, what I feature is based on just emotion. Yeah. But, um, uh, my point is, um, if I compare the data on man-made coffee and, and food fluffer, um, 
the, the, the food community is a lot more generous and welcoming and, and appreciative um, than the coffee community is. Um, that is interesting. Just, yeah, the, the way that the community supports each other and comments yeah. on each other's good work and inspires each other and is there for each other as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just happy that Food Fluffer is, is one way that I'm helping connect more people in the food community and, and helping mm-hmm. sort of undiscovered people be discovered um, mm-hmm. in, in my own little way, right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the food community is an amazing community. I've met some fantastic people through, through Food Fluffer. Mm, yeah, it's interesting that you have the same experience that I do because to me it's it's very clear and it's um, I mean it's part of the reason I've been able to grow this podcast. I just started in October is because of the support on there. So I'm very grateful for Instagram. And yes, I'm yes. you know it's not going anywhere in my marketing plan. That's for sure. Yeah. Hello, listeners. I'm jumping in here a little awkwardly with a very short interlude because Andy and I had an exchange that I edited out of the episode at this point based on a personal experience of mine to new listeners, particularly those of you coming over from Instagram. Very briefly, my Facebook and Instagram accounts were hacked in July. I lost almost 8,500 followers and those accounts have not yet been retrieved. I had to start fresh. So for those of you committed to Instagram, I recommend listening to last week's episode, a very rare solo episode, where I discuss the four things I lost and the eight things I gained through that hack and how you can benefit from my experience. Also, along with that episode, I released two related resources. The first is a 14-step action plan you can take to defend yourself against a hack like mine. And the second is a guided journal with 18 prompts designed to empower you to find your own approach to Instagram that's effective, joyful, and tailored to your business and personality. You can find those on thestoriedrecipe.com. And I'll give you that address again at the end of the show so you can just sit back and enjoy and keep listening to Andy. The other thing that I find interesting as we talk about this curated account is, again, I think, you know, uh, so many questions, of course, always come from comparison. This is my experience. What's your experience, you know? And again, I just feel this need to share what's in my heart, you know, and I need to use words to do that. But you don't have that. You are sharing, it sounds like. You're sharing, this is what makes me feel calm. This is what makes me feel at peace. And this is um, even, like you said, an act of generosity that you're putting out into the world to connect people. And that's enough for you. Yeah, it, it is. It, it, I, I don't think that my personal story is that interesting, to be honest. Mm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to add value in the ways that I've been blessed to add value. So... I think that there's there's more value in me connecting people than there is mm. in me sharing my life story with people, um, mm. and so that's that that's kind of just how I choose to how I've chosen to sort of you know add value because I think we mm. all should and I think we all do and this is just how I'm trying to do it. Mm. Mm. I really appreciate that. So we've learned you're a generous and also a humble person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and- my my uh, my wife will tell you otherwise. I think. <laughs> Oh, and I was going to say, I was kind of going into this interview feeling like you were also a private person, but maybe, maybe not so much. Um, I, I tend to keep a lot private and I, but, but, Mm -hmm. but when I do share, um, 
there are a few people that I will share everything with, but I, mm. but but I tend to keep a lot of stuff inside, and you know, it's it's one of the things my therapist and I are working on, I suppose. Mm. I should just I should just find ways to express myself more, yeah, tell people how I'm feeling, etc. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I say yeah, because I'm an oversharer, but, <laughs> but I think I, I respect, I have a lot of people that I'm close to in my life that are private yeah. people. And I've come to respect that part of that is just personality. Yeah. You know, of course, there's there's extremes to every personality, there's pros and cons, but part of it is just personality, and it's never quite going to change. And so, you know, for someone like me who shares what I'm feeling in a moment, hopefully in a mature way, it makes yeah. people feel like, oh, I can talk to you. People feel like they can very easily talk to me about how they feel. But for someone like you, it allows you to go out in the world and create this massive network of people that you know, uh, you bring people together. So there's there's value maybe also in being a private person. I Like I said, I'm close enough to enough private people that I don't understand, but I respect. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I don't know what it is about my background or my history that's made me sort of be this quiet, but I've always been a quiet person. And mm-hmm. I, I, instead of sort of interjecting and commenting, etc., I'd rather sit back and listen and try and understand and um, see what the lay of the land is and see how people feel. And, and if I identify some common grounds between two people, then connect those people, right? Because, and I, I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that because I, I do find that I, I share everything with my wife, for example. Um, she's mm-hmm. my best friend. And so I feel like I share enough. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and my, my, twins are, my twins are two and a half now and I will have fully adult conversations with them where I'm sitting yeah. while I'm feeding them. I'm busy sharing and, and, you know, and they, they kind of nod and, and appreciate my sharing. They don't understand what I'm saying, of course, but at least I'm able to get it out of my system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And this is why you like dog photos. Also, you feel, <laughs> you feel you could share with dogs and they'll never, never, never betray your confidence. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the love of my life actually is not my wife. The love of my life was my, um, was my Staffordshire, uh, bull terrier, mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Tosca. Um, she so bull terriers live to be eleven years old at best, or twelve maybe. And Tosca lived to sort of seventeen human years, uh, mm. and and she was amazing. I used to, I I used to travel uh, when I was younger. I, I I was able to travel a bit, and I used to come home, um, you know, six months later, and she she would run to me as if I had been away for maybe a couple of hours. Do you know what I mean? Like she'd recognize every bit of me, and mm. and um, Anyway, I'm getting carried away. I really miss oh. Tosca. She was a really good dog. Tosca. What does that name mean? Why did you name her that? Uh, it's uh, it's from an aria from one of my favorite operas. I know that oh. makes me sound. It makes it makes me sound like I'm an intellectual, and I really am not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're 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 a lot of things, and I think we're all enjoying hearing this. This is what I was really hoping. I'm really so thankful that you came on because it has been fascinating to me. I've Googled you. I've been like, who is this guy who hosts these accounts? He's putting all this beauty into the world, (laughs) sharing it. And to really know, get to know you behind it. I'm, I'm so enjoying this. So thank you. (laughs) I'm really grateful. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I mean, um, I was really impressed. You've, You've mm. done your research and you found some of the little information that I put out there. You found all of it. Mm. <laughs> uh, and so I appreciate, 
I appreciate the work you've done to kind of to kind of make this a, a a very worthwhile effort. I'm enjoying this. Thank you. Oh well, thank you. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. no stone left unturned. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So tell me a little more about your wife and your children, as much as you're comfortable. Did you meet your wife in Johannesburg? Um, yes, I did. So um, I met her in Johannesburg, but we're both from Cape Town, um, mm. but I did not know her in Cape Town. So I started my corporate career at Procter & Gamble, and mm. um, uh, part of the work I did there was to help recruit sort of graduates, and um, she was one of the graduates we recruited, um, and so we were friends for a very long time, mm. and I eventually decided that I had polished myself up enough to be a mature <laughs> husband. Um, and she was the only person I thought of, of, of sort of asking if she would consider uh, staying with me permanently, let's say. Wow. Um, and uh, so I, that's when we started dating. We dated for a year, and we were, so we were married a year later. And so now next year will be our 10-year wedding anniversary. So it's been an amazing run. Wow. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. I'm fascinated, absolutely fascinated by the way that you just described this courtship. First, it almost sounds like it led with, this is what I want for my life. This is where I want to go. It sounds like it was less of a head over heels, passionate um, fling that led into something deeper and more of a very mindful, intentional courtship. Well, again, I'm not an intellectual, so let me start by saying mm. she's also really hot. Yeah. <laughs> right? She's so I was very attracted to her. Um yeah. but yeah, it started with with me first understanding that I needed to do more with my life and I needed to mm. settle down and then a a proper sort of introspection around um, you know, in a perfect world, what would you want from a future partner? Um, someone to share that the rest of your life with, etc. And she was she was the only one that I considered ever asking out, um, and uh, well, asking out with the intention of one day being married and then her becoming my wife and us living together for the rest of our lives. She was the only one that I that I considered asking, and she didn't say yes immediately. So mm. it took some negotiation. Mm. Um, <laughs> But uh, I'm glad to say that uh, that I was able to negotiate my way uh, to where I am now, and um, and and you know it's 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 a it's a really remarkable thing when you're able to marry your best friend, mm -hmm. um, because they know you they know you better than most they know you better than your own family sometimes most mm -hmm. times, um, and so I've been really lucky I think, um, and so I I I still. I still tell her regularly that I, I feel really lucky that she said yes. Um, and we've been in ten years. We've we, we've we've crammed a lot of life experience into ten years. You know, things haven't always been rosy, and so she's the only person I can think of that I would ever want to have spent those ten years with that have just passed. Mm. 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 I appreciate that. I really do. And did you tell her from the outset this is this is the goal here is to get married? Yes, I'll, I'll tell you exactly how it's gone. And this is not mm -hmm. romantic. I, d I don't think it is. Um, mm. uh, I said to her, let's go and have a dinner um, as friends. Uh, and she didn't suspect anything other than she's, we're going to be hanging out. At, at dinner, I think it was after the main course, before dessert, I said, look, this is where I am in life. I want to settle down. 
you're the one for me. You don't, I know you don't feel that way about me now. Because, you know, when we were only friends, um, mm-hmm. we had this discussion and we had met each other's boyfriends and girlfriends, right? Mm. Um, and so we used to have this discussion around what her ideal person looks like. And her ideal person is, you know, tall, dark and handsome. And I'm not those things. Uh, <laughs> her, her ideal person was, was also somebody who knew how to work with his hands. Like, you know, mm. she wanted someone who could build their own furniture. I was like, why would mm. you want someone who could build your own furniture? Like, why? <laughs> why is that necessary? <laughs> but this is the 21st century. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's IKEA for these things, you know? Um, <laughs> and I was not this kind of handy guy. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, I wasn't, I, I was kind of a, very much an academic growing up. I wasn't handy at all. I wasn't sporty at all. Um, anyway, so I did not take all of these boxes. And then, like opera. <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, little bits of opera. I couldn't sit through a whole opera. I once yeah. did and I fell asleep for most of it. But yeah. I liked little bits of operas. And uh, um, I said to her, look, here's the deal. So at that time, I was still living in Cape Town. She was in Johannesburg. And um, I met her in Johannesburg for dinner. And um, I said, I bought three plane tickets, you know, Think about it. I'll come back next week. I'll ask you again. Same question. Uh, think about it some more. But I've only bought three plane tickets. And so it would be great if by the third plane ticket, you would say you would give it a try <laughs> to date me for three months. So for three or four, four, you know, after the third, you'd, you'd agree to date me for a year or so. And yeah. so after the third plane ticket, she said, well, this is a phenomenal effort. I appreciate all your efforts. So let's start dating. And then um, I did say to her a year later, we'd be, we'd be engaged. And a year later, we were engaged. And so it's been a good journey. Mm. Mm. you're making me think of a neighbor that my husband and I had we got together and he told us a story once about why he picked his wife and he said something well it was actually very profound and my husband and I looked at each other and we're like you know that's right and he said I wanted a team player he's like you know those people that just when they find a problem to say okay well what can we do together to solve this problem and it sounded like the opposite of romance, but really right. what it is, is it's a deep understanding of what it takes to really get through life together. No, like yeah. all kidding aside, life's not easy, period. No, no, no. And it takes more than chemistry to get through it, right? And you recognize that and you respected that. Yeah, and 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 I recognized it before she did, I think. But 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 the chemistry the chemistry was always there, but on a very superficial level. And then when right. we we started recognizing the sort of the the sort of deeper qualities of each other, I think then mm-hmm. um, she was convinced this was the right thing to do. And yeah, I think life is about finding team, right? And and the first person on that team needs to be your partner. And uh, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's exactly that. I think life. Life is not easy, and um, I don't think I could have done the last 10 years without her. And I, I think mm. she would say the same. Mm. Mm. Well, that's wonderful. I really do congratulate you on having a successful marriage. And um, well, I congratulate you, but I'm happy for you, too, because life can be pretty miserable if you're with the wrong person. I speak from the opposite yeah. experience. I am absolutely with the right person for me. Fantastic. And I'm, yeah, I'm happy for you because there's nothing happier than when you are with the right person. And when I think back on all my other relationships and there were not many of them, but there were a few and the ones that, and one of them um, might have ended up in marriage somehow. When I think back of all the mistakes I could have made, I just feel really lucky that, that things worked out the way they did. Um, Mm. 
Yeah, you, you you need to have a partner. So so you were asking about uh, the twins. The twins were um, they were part of the at least five years of a rough patch. A five year mm. rough patch um, was mm. because of the twins because we struggled to conceive for five years. Um, mm. We had uh, a few miscarriages. We contemplated adoption. We we tried mm. everything, um, mm-hmm. and we spent a ton of money trying to make it happen. And so we did the IVF. We, we went through the whole journey, and um, the marriage was tested. Um, mm-hmm. our, like our individual sanities were tested. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but when I see my twins today, and 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 um, you know the way Misha. <laughs> laughs at me and and the way the way Amir seems to be just a mini version of me it's it's really weird um <laughs> you know I'm I obviously feel quite blessed yeah well they're beautiful unfortunately they would also tell you that <laughs> because, so I'm trying to teach them to be a bit more um you know say thank you when you have a compliment don't kind of go yeah. yes I know <laughs> Look, look at this outfit. Is there anybody who could pull this outfit off better than I am at the moment? That's the kind of feeling I get from Misha all the time. You know, like I'll, I'll, I'll look at her and I'll go like, oh my God, you look amazing. And she'll look at me kind of like, yes, I know. <laughs> and she's the boss. She's the boss of the twins. Of course, of course. She was born four minutes earlier than Amir. And mm-hmm. sort of during the eight and a half months that they spent inside their mom, she also seemed to have... Uh, taking the majority of all the food um, mm-hmm. that was sort of yep. entered into the space uh, because she's 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 stronger, she's bigger. My my daughter and my son are sort of duplicates of my wife and I. They're they're mini versions of us. So mm-hmm. my wife is taller than I am. I think she's stronger than I am. Uh, and so my son is a mini me. My my daughter is a mini mom. Mm. Well, then you're suited to, you know, help guide them through this life. Exactly, exactly. I, I I can't wait to get to the point with my son where we start talking about um, girls and how it's yeah. okay if the girl's taller than you. It's it's fine. Yeah. Look at your mom. Yeah. She's yeah. taller than your dad. Mm. That's wonderful. Well, I have teenagers now. I have 15 on, on Monday, 14, 15, 14, 10, and 6. And I love this stage of life. I love it. I love having real conversations with my kids. I love it. So, I can imagine that that's, that's, something, that's something I really look forward to, right? So, um, so four. You've done four. That's amazing. Yeah, four boys. Four boys. Yep. Wow. Four yep. boys. There, there, there isn't much of a silver lining on this COVID-19 situation, but... The one thing I've been happy about is that it's forced me to work from home for quite a long time now. Mm-hmm. And um, when I now, so my, the other night my wife and I were looking at the photographs sort of on our phone, the photographs we took when we first arrived in Dubai. Um, and uh, the babies we brought to Dubai, they're not the toddlers that are yeah. sort of, that are sort of, you know, running amok. They, they grow yeah. really fast. And so I'm, yeah. I'm really thankful that I've been able to spend the last five months at home because I've been able to change all the diapers, do all the, yeah. do all the sort of, you know, breakfast, lunch, supper, blah, blah, blah. I've, I'm, I'm so blessed that I've been able to spend so much time with them, which I yeah. wouldn't have if it wasn't for COVID-19 and I was doing all the traveling I was doing, right? So um, Absolutely. I now understand a lot of perspective that my parents gave me when, when you know, I was much younger and, they were trying to bring me in line. This this is kind of the perfect the perfect segue because yeah, you know 
the premise of the show is we learn about people and their life stories and the people that love them through food. So you brought up your parents and I would love to go back and just ask, um, maybe start talking about your parents, but also if it relates where this love of coffee started. So did your parents instill this? Well, you definitely said that you got from your mom, your eye. So maybe we just start with that. Did your parents give you this eye for beauty? I think that my mom definitely did that. So, Mm. um, so food was a big part of, of us growing up and, and, you know, some of the things that I admire my dad for is that um, we didn't come from great means, right? We were quite a poor mm. family growing up and, and yet I never felt that at all. Mm. I never felt that we were, that we were struggling for money at any, at any point because we were lucky enough to always have food on the table and it was really good food and sort of it was mm. home cooking and it was, you know, um, my best childhood memories were, being in the kitchen with my mom and kind of telling her how the day went at school and her cooking, her cooking dinner. Right. Um, I've, I only discovered as an adult that we, that we may have been struggling for money at, in quite a, at quite a few times when I was really, really young. And, uh, mm. and those days when we were struggling, those are the days we would only have sandwiches for dinner. Right. Mm. And they turned the sort of sandwiches for dinner thing into an exciting thing, right? So mm. it, it was something that we looked forward to. But I was told much later in life that those are the days we were really struggling and we could only do the sort of bread and 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 peanut butter or, or whatever. And uh, so so yeah, the, um, she definitely showed her her love uh, for the family by cooking really really good food um, mm. and. She was amazing. She was an amazing cook, right? So um, I guess every son thinks that about their mom, but uh, my mom was actually a really good cook. (laughs) In high school, we had these sort of international food evenings, and um, my mom always used to have one of the most popular food stalls. She just did an amazing curry, or she did an amazing roast, or, or whatever it was. So she was really, really talented that way. Uh, she wasn't able to be a very educated person in the sense that she came from a poor background as well. She couldn't go to to high school, let's say. So the way that she expressed herself was in her cooking and right. in the way she took care of her family. And so um, she was 110% available at all times to her family. Mm-hmm. And her food was 120% amazing at all times, even if it mm-hmm. was a peanut butter jelly sandwich. How did she manage to make those nights exciting? You know, whether it was just sort of cutting the bread on a diagonal instead mm-hmm. of the way you, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was, it was just fun. And she made sure we all ate together. And, and so the eye for beauty thing, I think it came from the fact that the little means that she had, she, she was always able to create a really beautiful environment for us to grow up in. So mm-hmm. um, my father was, he was many things, but at one stage he was, a he built houses, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, at one point he decided to, build our own house and during that process we we kind of ran out of money and so Mm -hmm. we had to move into into our garage and we had to live in that two-car garage for at least a year right and my mom took that unpainted two-car garage and made it into the warmest coziest little cottage like if that cottage was still available today it would make an excellent airbnb that's amazing because it had everything it had 
sort of makeshift carpeting. It had our beds were always super comfortable and super sort of lushly, lushly prepared with really warm blankets and pillows and blah blah blah. But it was a it was a garage for for the longest time. The the property we stayed on, where my dad was trying to build this house, was it was a construction site, right? Because he was building mm-hmm. a house, and so there'd be dust and cement, and there'd be mud just outside the door. But that place, that little garage was impeccably and spotlessly clean 100% of the time. I don't know how mm. she did it, but she took pride in, in, in the way things looked and keeping things a certain way. Um, mm. And in many conversations later with my therapist, we both agree that that's how, with the little she had, that's how she showed love, to give us yeah. this, the best possible circumstances to live up and to live in and grow up in. So Absolutely. that was... That was amazing to me, yeah. That is. I'm so thankful that you shared that because that is the value of this podcast is bearing witness and honoring those lives that we might not hear about otherwise, but are exactly the type of lives that we should be living. Your mother and your father, those are the patterns and the templates for the way that I want to be. I mean, maybe I have more means, but the question is, what am I doing with what I have? You know, I feel really quite moved and very emotional and very grateful to hear that about your mother and very challenged. So thank you very much for sharing that. And I think she still challenges me um, Mm. after, even after she's gone in, in that, um, you know, I do ask myself on a, on a sort of near daily basis, maybe even more, Am I doing the best of what I have? If if the answer is no, then, you know, I need to sit back and have a cup of coffee and, and think about what it is I need to change to be able to do the best of what I have. Mm. Um, and so I'm getting better and better at it every day. Um, I don't think I've always been good at doing the best of what I have. I think I've squandered a lot of gifts that I that I was given. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress. Um, mm. And I'm coming to terms with the fact that as long as there's progress, that's still a good thing. Yep. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep trying to polish up who mm-hmm. I am. And I'm sure that your mother would have told you ways that she felt she was failing. It's beautiful that you didn't feel those as her child, but I'm sure she would have told you ways. So the last, the last thing I was able to do for her before she passed is that um, I took on this tour through Europe. She had never left uh, South Africa. So her first trip outside the country was me taking on this trip through Europe. And um, that taught me so much. It, <laughs> it taught me that the things that impressed me about these countries that I've been visiting um, were not the important things, you know, because my mom would, would kind of make observations everywhere I took her. And, and it was always um, observations around how people were living and how people were, how they were making the best of what they had and how they were being happy with their lives, etc. Um, it wasn't about, you know, look at how beautiful the Eiffel Tower is. It was more around the bread we had this morning from that little bakery where we had the Airbnb. That was the best part of me being in Paris, is what she told me when we left Paris, right? Wow. Um, and for, for me, that's amazing. Every, every time I spoke to my mom, I was, I was very much in a place where um, I need to dig deeper in, you know, looking at the things that I appreciate. Mm. Yeah. It's what she had trained herself to notice and appreciate and honor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And 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 yeah, bless her soul. She was she was a good woman. She really was. Mm. 
Well, I feel very thankful and challenged that you shared that. So thank you. Thank you. So no, thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> You've reminded me of very good moments with that. I appreciate that. Well, then mission accomplished. That's wonderful. That's that's great. <laughs> so as you go on this journey, you know, of um, Paula, I love that you've used the term twice now, polishing yourself up. <laughs> yes. I'm going to start to use that. I like that. <laughs> um, it seems like, you know, for some people it would be strange, but for someone who hosts a podcast about food, it's not strange. It seems like coffee has had a role in that. So, well, I'm going to just read something that you wrote. Then hopefully you can maybe reflect and tell me a little bit about what coffee has done been polishing yourself up. So right. you wrote, um, contrary to my career in marketing, I'm an introvert, so I don't easily meet new people until coffee. The absolute best part of my coffee journey so far has been the people I've met along the way. Hearing their stories made me learn as much about myself as I did about them, and they were stories worth sharing. So I started the Humans of Coffee series. I guess I'd like people to see we have more in common that we don't. The hope is that it inspires people to learn more about coffee and the people who serve it. Baristas are artists. The world should know. So I'm going to ask you about that part at the end. <laughs> but going back right. to the beginning, when you say until coffee, what does that mean? When did coffee start? And then how how has it brought you along? So um, when I grew up, coffee in my house was instant coffee, right? And in my house, it was sort of three sugars and lots of milk. And effectively, it was a coffee milkshake. <laughs> and uh, what coffee has evolved into now is is origin stories, is trying to find out where coffee comes from and, and appreciating where it's come from and the journey it's been through to get to where it is now. And so um, my journey with coffee has been about um, going from this sort of three sugars, milk, instant coffee to um, now having very specific preferences and origins and meeting some farmers who actually produce the coffee that I'm having. And so that journey for me has, has, has not been so much about coffee as it's been about trying to find out what's really important to me. Mm. Um, and so the reason I love coffee is because it just has so many sort of facets to it. So, mm. um, uh, the perfect cup of coffee is it, it goes right back to the farmer and and how he's been taught to farm and mm. whether he's doing whether he's farming um in a way that is optimum for the region he's farming in etc um and then it then it goes through how the coffee's being processed and then it goes through you know um how the coffee's bought and by whom it's being bought and are the farmers being being paid a fair wage so they can continue to farm etc and then then it's how the coffee is being roasted and, and um, has it been um, delicately roasted? Have people roasted it to draw the best out of the coffee or have they just burnt it, right? Mm. And then it goes to, is it, is it ground the right size for the kind of coffee I'm about to make? And um, then is it being presented in the correct way for me to enjoy the experience? And is the barista introducing the coffee to me and telling me where, where it's come from and how it's been roasted and how he or she's chosen to prepare it and, and why they've done it that way, etc.? And so because coffee is this, just this 360 experience, mm. you know, just so many, many different aspects to it. This is why I'm so fascinated by it. And even though I feel like I've been geeking about coffee now for, for probably the last five, six years, mm. um, I feel like I still don't know everything about it. And I feel mm. like that's something that keeps me 
interested, right? I, I wish I was as interesting as a person as coffee is. Uh, mm. because there's just so much you can discover about coffee. I wish there's, there were as many layers to me as there is to coffee. Well, <laughs> let's put that to rest, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put that to rest. But that's between you and your wife and your therapist. But I can say for myself and the listeners, there's many, many, many layers to you and we're enjoying hearing (laughs) about those. So the stories, when you say the stories that are worth sharing, they really are these stories that start way, way, way back with the farmer. Exactly. And so Mm -hmm. I'll I'll tell you one story that kind of, that motivates me to this day still to, to keep trying to tell these stories is that I was invited by a big coffee multinational group to travel to Ethiopia to a to a, a farming area, a coffee farming area, and um, I I arrived and um, you know it was sort of rural Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. Um, internet wasn't freely isn't freely available in rural Ethiopia, and so. Nobody had any perspective who I was, or even right. who the company was that brought that brought me there, right? Yeah. Um, and so this was just a farming community, and they invited us in warmly. And so, firstly, the thing that struck me was the amount of pride they had in the work that they do mm-hmm. and how they do that work was just—it was amazing to me, right? So, mm-hmm. um, it makes me think about my own life and how much pride I take in the things that I do. Um, mm-hmm. I, and it wouldn't. It would never. It would never scratch the surface about how the depth of the pride they have for the work they do. So that was amazing to me. And just mm. everyone I spoke to. Obviously, the farmer was quite proud. He was about to buy another farm at that stage, and so he's obviously making making enough money to do that, etc. So he was happy with the way business was going. Um, I spent time with everyone there. So even the the ladies who were picking the cherries and the guys who were sort of handling the cherries from just the way they spoke through an interpreter, of course, but the way they spoke about. The job. They were firstly very, very excited about the fact that somebody took an interest in the the job that they did and yeah. how they do the job. That was amazing to me, and I felt equally happy and sad about that because why yes. doesn't everyone appreciate right. that kind of work? Mm-hmm. Um, so I met everyone through the sort of value chain on the farm. Right. I mean, um, one of the amazing moments on that trip was when I took a sip of coffee from coffee that was grown on that farm and roasted on that <laughs> farm over an open fire and then ground up in front of me. And, mm. and when I took my first sip and how truly amazing that cup of coffee tasted and they saw, and, you know, being an introvert, I'm also, I also, I'm also very controlled. I don't show my emotions. Right. I try and keep mm-hmm. everything quite. But when I had that first sip of coffee, there was an uncontrollable, I, I could not control how happy I was with how good that tasted. Right. So wow. I don't know whether I, I was swearing. I don't know if I was <laughs> shouting, but I, I definitely, you know, something happened. And the, when I tell you that the entire room sort of lit up with how happy they were, that I was happy yeah. with the, how the coffee tasted, it was amazing. So that was amazing. Mm. But the point I'm trying to make is that the stories that deserve to be told is that like on the second day on the farm and we were mm-hmm. about to leave to to fly on to Addis and then leave the country. Before I left, one of the kind of, farm hands, let's say. Um, so he stayed on the farm and he asked me if I could, so, and I was taking lots of pictures, right? Because, you know, man, the right. coffee. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he asked me if I could come through and take a picture um, of where he lives. So on the, of his little sort of cottage or whatever. And he introduced me to his daughter, his daughters. His wife was pregnant. He had sort of a four-year-old daughter. And then he had a, she must have been maybe one, one and a half, two years mm-hmm. old. 
Um, and she was just the most beautiful child I've ever seen. Um, mm. And she was just so happy. And so they were a family of very little means, but she was extraordinarily happy. And she was happy that I, that I was there. And so her story is the story that I want to tell. I want to be able to meet her in, in 18 to 20 years and see that she's, you know, been able to prosper through, through coffee and that she's become mm-hmm. a person of note and that she's become a person who's adding value back into her country. And so telling the stories in coffee, it's great that I'm meeting all these barista champions and these mm-hmm. um, sort of coffee celebrities, etc. But meeting her that day is still the most important story in coffee that Absolutely. I've ever told and that I'm, I'm right. fine. I'm hope, hopefully I can find reasons to write other chapters. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, right? Oh, oh, it absolutely makes sense. I mean, you get you get to a point where coffee becomes just too expensive to enjoy in a coffee shop, right? But I'm mm. I'm very happy to pay a premium uh, for coffee because it's somehow it's going to end up, you know, helping her do what she needs to do, right? Uh, fulfill all her dreams and live the best life that she can, right? So I'm very glad I met her because she's she's motivating everything that I do in coffee. Mm-hmm. Well, I also have to say, as I listen to you talk, I do think about how proud your mother would be. You are taking that legacy and moving that on, and coffee is your vehicle for doing that. So I think she'd be very proud. I appreciate that. Mm. I could have been a much I could have been a much better son than I was, but you know, I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll keep polishing. I'll keep polishing. Keep, keep polishing. I like that. I yeah. like that. Well, I had it. I had it written into my questions, but now I don't even want to say it out loud that I'm going to go get a gas station or a McDonald's coffee after this conversation <laughs> and take it. Down to- you know what? You know what? My guilty pleasure is um, there's a specific chain of coffee in South Africa, and I, I won't name the name because I think that'd probably be a bad thing. Um, <laughs> but it is just—it's just the worst coffee I've ever had in my life, and it's the worst coffee I can imagine anyone having. But. I will say this. I do enjoy a good road trip, right? And my road trips are incomplete if I haven't started the journey with a cup of that specific coffee. I need that coffee before I start any road trip in South Africa. Yep. Yep. Do you even finish the cup or can you not even, is it undrinkable to you at this point? It's it's totally undrinkable, but I do finish it because that's also part of the journey. I need to, you know, it's... it's, I, I, I'm by no means, I'm by no means a coffee snob. I, I enjoy bad coffee because I think it's amusing and, um, I enjoy good coffee because I think it's art and I think I have space for all of it. Right. So yeah, I, I do enjoy a good cup of bad coffee. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks. (laughs) I do want to just ask you about, like you said, a good cup of coffee is art and a good barista is an artist. Tell me about that. Yeah. So I so people give Starbucks a lot of hate, and I understand why, right? Because they roast the coffee too darkly, and so if you if you burn something, you'll never taste any of the flavor notes in that thing because you just burnt it to crisp, right? And so mm-hmm. Starbucks in the past they did tend to sort of burn yeah. their coffee, but yeah. now they have Starbucks Reserve and they're taking a bit more care of the coffee. But my point is. Um, when I discovered coffee was art was in a Starbucks because I went to a Starbucks in the hope that I was going to uh, be able to write. And so when I sat down, I thought, let me get a coffee. Um, I didn't give it any thought whatsoever. And I kind of stepped up to the counter and I said, um, you know, I'll have a cappuccino. And then they did the whole Starbucks thing is, which is, you know, what size do you want? Blah, blah, blah. Do you want that with a shot of this? With a shot? And I said, just give me a cappuccino. Mm-hmm. And the, the guy said to me, could he show me something? 
And so I, I decided I was going to have the patience for this conversation. And so, mm. and he took me over to sort of their Starbucks reserve station. Mm. And he said to me, so tell me about what you like with food. Or do you have a sweet tooth or are you sort of more savory? Um, and I said, okay, I'm a bit of a sweet tooth. And he went, okay. Um, and then he asked a few more questions, et cetera. And he goes, okay, so I'm going to recommend that you have this coffee from Guatemala. And mm. um, he, he told me, okay, so today I'm going to prepare it for you in a Chemex. Then he took me through the whole journey of preparing a Chemex and, and the reason why he's done it and, and how he's respecting where the coffees come from because the Chemex gives you a very clean cup. And so, therefore, you're able to taste all the flavor notes. And so, you should actually be, be able to taste the soil that the coffee was grown in, etc. Mm. And there was a long story about um, how the coffee was roasted. It wasn't roasted too dark. It's a medium roast, so you can still taste the flavor notes, etc. And then he said, you know, he did the whole process in front of me. And so, that's when I learned that coffee really is an art form because that barista mm. could have easily given me a cappuccino made from burnt beans. But mm. he took the time to prepare for me in a very measured and calculated way and, and told me the reasons why he was doing everything. And that's when I learned that coffee, coffee is an art. Um, to respect the farmer, you need to really take time to learn how to brew it properly. Um, he's put effort in. And so um, you need to extract the coffee from that bean in the most appropriate way possible. It's about how you pour. It's about the temperature of the water. And it's about understanding where the coffee's from and, you know, different brew methods for different origins, et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was amazing. And what I love mm. the most about this whole experience is that this guy was 19 years old and he was teaching me things and, mm. and was, you know, the, the sort of art in a young person teaching a older person about how, what's happening. You know, it was, it was also humbling to the, to mm -hmm. the point of, you know, you, you can learn something from everyone you meet. So mm. if you listen with, with a learning ear, it's, it's, it'll be so much more of an amazing engagement. I mean, mm. I just love, I just love coffee, man. It's just so, just the people and the mm -hmm. culture and the, that little girl. I mean, it's, I, I stumbled into this world, but I'm very glad that I, that I did stumble. Mm. Well, your enthusiasm is very infectious. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 well, it really, it really is. So, um, you have said you've given advice to Instagram accounts trying to start out and you said you should have an opinion. I'm not saying be argumentative. That's what Twitter's for, which I thought was funny. <laughs> I'm saying stand for something. Your page should have a view, a personality. So what would you say that you stand for on your pages? So can I first say that for me, it's not about, it's, it's not about Instagram, right? So for me, mm. it's about Instagram happens to be one of the best ways now for you to build your own brand and build your mm -hmm. business and build your identity. But the most important thing about that piece of advice is that people want to connect with people. And mm -hmm. so different, people's ha different people have different opinions. And I would mm -hmm. rather connect with someone who has a different opinion so that I can educate myself and I can learn something new than just meet a thousand people who think the same way that I do. And so make sure that you come across as a person, which yeah. is why I've, I've put more content on my man-made coffee about my kids and my family, et cetera, mm. um, as much as I was willing to share. Um, and so what, what I hope the pages stand for is happiness, is, is, mm -hmm. is that in, in our pursuit of happiness, and uh, if that's the little bit that I can do in anyone's life, then I'm happy to do it because mm. it's, you know, it's such an easy thing to do. And I think in a way you're standing, you know, you're standing for that little girl. 
Absolutely. If there was some some way that I could go back regularly to Ethiopia and and meet her and try and help her along, uh, I'm able to from a distance, then I really want to do that. And so if anything, man-made coffee is about connecting uh, people to the origin of coffee. And so to her, to that girl. And Food Fluffer to me is just about sharing the mm-hmm. good of the community, right? Um, mm. The food the food community is some of the most generous and beautiful people that I've ever yeah. met. Um, I and I'm so honored to be part of that, that community now. I just want to be able to connect people. And so Food Fluffer to me is about connecting people in the food mm-hmm. community. Yeah. Well, if I can just wrap up by asking, I always like to give my listeners somewhere they can go, something they can do. So obviously we've talked about mostly man-made coffee, humans of coffee and food fluffer, but I'd love to just ask you a little bit about your app and how people can use your app and then where they can find that. So the app is a work in progress. It's called Kaldi and I've gotten Kaldi app as yeah. the Instagram name, but it is going to be an app for Android and iOS, and it'll be a means for you to find the best coffee in any city you're traveling to. You should be able to recognize that it comes from a sort of man-made coffee food fluffer world in terms mm-hmm. of the look and feel. Wonderful. That's great. Is there anything else that you want to share? Anything that was kind of like on your mind or on your heart that you didn't feel like you got to say? No, I think I've shared more than I thought I would. Share. Oh. <laughs> but I think, but I think uh, Becky, you have a way. I'm glad that you're doing this because you clearly mm-hmm. have a talent for it. Your, your questions oh. were amazing. Again, I'm glad to be connected with someone like you. So thank you for for mm-hmm. asking me to participate in this, and it's been it's been a really fantastic thing. And you've made me you've made me think about my mom a bit as well, some more. Oh. So. <laughs> I I always welcome that kind of experience. Mm-hmm. Well, that means a lot to me. I'm a little choked up right now, but I really, uh, it was a very mutually enriching experience. Let's put it that way. So I really um, enjoyed it. I appreciate your time so much. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andy. No, I, I appreciate your time. And this was fantastic. Thank you. And please send your hubby and the four boys my love and um, stay safe. And I hope we do remain connected after this. Thank you, Becky. I hope so too. Thanks, Andy. Take care. Okay. Chat soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Andy. I know all of you feel as I do that that hour just flew by. To connect with Andy, I've listed all of the Instagram accounts that we discussed today, including the Caldi app account, and you can find those in the show notes over on the storiedrecipe.com under the episodes tab. For those of you joining in new today, I'd invite you to subscribe and stick around for next week's episode with Hania Niku, an Iranian-born food photographer and world traveler with the heart and gifts of a poet. After our conversation, I promise you, you will rethink your definition of home. I also want to thank Juan Salazar for allowing me to visit and photograph his coffee shop, La Coupe Coffee in Washington, D.C., for the images that I'll be publishing in conjunction with this interview. Not only did Juan give me this opportunity, he gave me a thorough education on roasting coffee and one of the best sips of coffee I've ever tasted. He also told me his personal story, which was so instructive, interesting, and commendable I came home, sat my family down, and told it to them right away. I can't wait to introduce you all to Juan in an upcoming episode. 
In the meantime, you can find his contact information, the information for La Coupe Coffee in DC, on the website also. In the meantime, another thanks to Andy for being the catalyst to my meeting with Juan. And again, if you're coming over from Instagram, I would love for the loss of my account to be your gain. So I have two hack-related episodes available. The first, released back in July, is titled The ISIS Flag Hack and details exactly what happened to me. The second was just released last week and details what I lost, what I gained, and how you can benefit from my experience. And finally, if you'd like to dig in even deeper to those, head over to thestoriedrecipe.com to download the 14-step action plan to defend yourself against a hack. If I had known and implemented these things, I would not have lost my account in July. You can also learn more there about the guided journal I've released titled Find Your Own Instagram Algorithm. This is going to help you chart out a path to making Instagram an effective and joyful place for you and your business. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As always for listening, sharing, and all your support. I can't wait to be back with another episode next Wednesday. And until then, have a great week, my friends.